I would like to introduce Dr. Priya Borker, a pulmonary critical care fellow at the University of Pittsburgh, and she received her clinical sleep medicine training at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. Thank you for coming here, Dr. Borker. Thank you so much, Dr. May, for inviting me, and thank you for having me. What initially got you interested in sleep research? When I was an internal medicine resident, I was kind of a, you know, a typical internal medicine person in that I was interested in a variety of things. And so when I was a second year pulmonary elective, included a, a good chunk of sleep medicine. And that's where I met Dr. Robert Thomas, who was the program director uh, for sleep medicine at that time that I was there, and Dr. Melanie Pogash, which were tremendous influences and mentors to me. And I was very interested in sleep and sleep research during that time is when I really felt the value of how sleep is universally acknowledged by every lay person that it is important, but still is not completely understood by the medical profession as to, to how and why. And so I think from that clinical experience, my training and my research, that interest has just really blossomed and grown. There's a lot of outstanding questions in sleep research. And so it really is a feel that I think affects so many people and yet has potential to really, really grow and, and develop. What kind of interest have you developed in the sleep medicine research? So initially, and still, I focused on the effects and phenotyping of obstructive sleep apnea. And my interest has always been on how sleep impacts clinical outcomes, particularly in people with chronic conditions and chronic illness. And so I've worked with Dr. Susan Redline when I was over at Beth Israel looking at interstitial lung abnormalities in people with obstructive sleep apnea, as well as looking at how we can phenotype obstructive sleep apnea better as to improve treatment for these patients and also to better prognosticate outcomes and risk stratify. And so we looked at the event duration of apneas and hypopneas and non-REM sleep, which I hope that research and phenotyping obstructive sleep apnea really will help people. And I have no doubt that it will. Um, currently, I'm working on really understanding how sleep impacts the immune system and whether the immune system mediates the effect of sleep on clinical outcomes. And currently, I'm working on really understanding the biological mechanisms and exploring different biological pathways to really understand how sleep dysregulation predisposes to inflammation and immune system abnormalities, which then compound the impact of, say, vascular disease or other diseases and the outcomes in these patients. Can you talk a little bit about how this sleep research will impact on the practice of sleep medicine in the next 10 or 20 years, do you anticipate? My current research focus uh, really explores how sleep impacts outcomes in people with chronic HIV infection. So we know that People living with HIV, even if they're virally suppressed and have been on stable antiretroviral therapy, they are at much higher risk than the general population of cardiovascular disease, especially and another non-AIDS-related uh, disease. And there's certainly been a signal that people with HIV who have problems with their sleep are even higher risk of that. And the prevalence of insomnia and other sleep disturbances in HIV, including obstructive apnea and otherwise, is very high. And so 
We know that in the general population, problems with sleep predisposes to cardiovascular disease, right? We've had many associations with severe sleep apnea, with insomnia, and with sleep durations. My current research is understanding in people living with HIV, are problems with sleep, do they predispose to inflammation and other pathways that would contribute to cardiovascular disease? And which dimension of sleep is most impactful? What I'm hoping to look at is to really understand which dimensions of sleep really impacts the clinical outcomes in chronic HIV or in other diseases and trying to optimize those aspects as to optimize those outcomes, particularly as it relates to chronic disease. Thank you so much. How did the Aspire Fellowship help support your research? So the Aspire Fellowship has been absolutely tremendous in introducing me to different outstanding research in sleep health and also the outstanding teaching and meeting just some tremendous researchers and leaders in the field. When I was a clinical sleep fellow, I was working with Dr. Redline at the Brigham. And through the Aspire Fellowship, I met many leaders of the sleep field. And I had an opportunity to interview with many people when I was looking to pursue my training in pulmonary critical care. And so it was very helpful to me to be able to have those kind of conversations with different sleep researchers who understand sleep generally and also have areas of interest and decide how I wanted to continue to explore my interests in sleep research. And so ultimately, I'm able to work with Dr. Patel, and we're actually, we're collaborating with Dr. Naresh Punjabi on a study as well. The Aspire Fellowship, since we meet so regularly, it's very impactful to see what the current sleep research is, or the current outstanding questions in the field, those talks are given by the leaders in the field, but also to be able to check in with um, early investigators that are in a similar position to me of what they're interested in and really know the leaders of my generation, be able to grow up with those people. And I think that that will be tremendously helpful going forward and to make those connections. So uh, yeah, I I've really have appreciated the uh, fellowship. Well, thank you. It sounds like this fellowship allowed you to link in with a network of sleep researchers. Can you talk about what kind of collaborations can come from your experiences? So I would say is that it really opens those doors of being familiar with people and understanding what the research interests in. And because we have this mutual interest, I think we're so eager and open to work with other people that I think it's just a tremendous opportunity to be able to be familiar with someone. And so even as an early investigator, I'm a somewhat shy person. I don't necessarily put myself out there, which I think can be an obstacle and a struggle for early stage investigators who say, you know, who am I, this little peon, to have the audacity to talk to someone, not even in my institution, be able to say, I admire your work and I look forward to working with you. Right now I'm working with Dr. Patel. He was one of the Aspire Fellowship leaders and Dr. Naresh Punjabi. And I'm able to communicate with Dr. Punjabi because I also personally know of him and he knows of me. And through that, we're able to have a deeper connection and know each other better through the collaboration. And I'm, I'm very hopeful that I can pursue more uh, collaborative efforts with the early stage investigators through that webinars.
So as part of the Aspire Fellowship, we give intermittent research and progress presentations amongst uh, the fellows and faculty. And I think that you know, knowing what their interests are and what their resources are, I think that it has been really mind-opening to be able to discuss different pathways and different concepts, even if someone's working in mice and I'm working in human subjects or looking at things through imaging and I'm looking at things through more bench research, kind of bringing everything together. So I think that this will definitely be helpful in tapping into our different interests moving forward. Sounds like there's a very supportive group behind you. How do you see sleep medicine in general changing in the next couple of years? I think that we're doing a a really tremendous job right now in really delving down into understanding what it is about sleep that is helpful and impactful to our patients. So whether that is different aspects of insomnia or really understanding the phenotyping of obstructive sleep apnea as to which people will do better with CPAP versus Inspire versus pharmacologic therapeutics, or even in the research that I'm doing, understanding how sleep can modify these other different outcomes and optimizing sleep interventions in order to globally improve health outcomes. And I think in addition to that, I think that we're seeing more and more, and I think especially this last year with COVID, that we're transitioning our practice more and more to home-based kind of practice, which certainly has its benefits to having one night in a, in a sleep lab, right? That we're able to assess someone in their own environment. It's more comfortable for the patient and facilitates access to care. So I think that we'll also really see a trend towards more home-based devices and hopefully using the data from either commercial-based devices or other data that we can get from the patient to impact our care. I'm really hopeful that some of this phenotyping work will also lead to new ways of treating our patients Mm -hmm. to give them more options. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Borker. I really appreciate your time and keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate the opportunity 